All right, okay. <clears throat> Let's get on with it. Welcome, uh, fans of uh, the James Whale Radio Show podcasting. There are so many things going on that I can never remember what I'm doing, but this is, uh, th- this is our audio, uh, I don't know, it's our audio thing, um, that we do an hour of every week, produced by Robbo on the Isle of Anglesey, and he's around somewhere, I don't know where he is. I'm here in the city of Bangor. There we go. Bang. Bang is not a city. It's a little village with one high street. Anyway, um, to be a city, you've got to have Chinatown, Red Light District, um, also everything that you haven't got in Bangor. We've got red lights. Yeah, it's not the sort of thing I meant. Anyway, um, let's get on with it. This uh, is the 30th anniversary this week. Uh, depends when you're listening to this, actually. It's the 30th anniversary of the first ever James Whale radio show on television, which I thought started in the 90s, but apparently it started in 88. Yeah, 1988. Are you sure it started in 88? Yes, it did, definitely, 100%. Okay, well, um, so 30 years ago on a Friday, which would be the 20, 23rd? What's the date today? Uh, it's the twentieth today that we're recording this, and it'll be the twenty. Oh, it must be the twenty-first that would have started, yeah. because, because no, it's the twentieth of September on a Friday, but we're recording it on the twentieth of September, which is a Thursday. But back thirty years ago, it was a Friday, and it was a show that Yorkshire Television commissioned uh, for a, a series of six. That's all we were going to do: six one-hour shows. And uh, we had a budget of nothing, and uh, it's always been the way. I don't know why. I've I've never had a big budget for anything. We had to get we had to get cameramen to volunteer to do the show because it was live, and it it was live between one and two in the morning. Nobody'd ever done a live television show, I don't think, that late. And um, because Ian Bolt, who uh, who actually it's a very funny story. Shall I tell you the story? Soon? We'll, do, we'll maybe make this a. A trip down memory lane. Um, I was I was driving home one day, and I got a phone call, and uh, I had to stop because there was no sort of hands-free systems in motorcars thirty years ago, was there? No. Did you have one? Of I can remember big brick things that with I the did, area. Yeah, yeah. yeah stop. And a bloke said, oh, "Hi, it's Ian Bolt. I'm a producer, director, at Yorkshire Television." I'd like to turn your radio show into a television show. And I said, I don't know who this is, but stop pissing me about and put the phone down. And went home, rang my agent in London, and I said, have you ever heard of some chap called Ian Bolt? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's uh, one of the top producer-directors at Yorkshire Television. I said, well, I might well, have, I might well have committed a bit of a boo-boo here because this guy rang me and said, uh, he was uh, Ian Bolt from Yorkshire TV, and he wanted to put my radio show on the television. I just assumed he was taking the piss and put the phone down. And so she, uh, I think a lady called Jackie Evans, that was my agent at the time in London, uh, she said, oh, oh, right, okay, well, I'll, um, I'll ring him and have a chat. And uh, uh, we fixed up a, a meeting, and that was all. He thought it was very funny, and he said, you know, I'm a big fan of your late-night radio show. In fact, when I get home, I quite often sit in the car 
in the drive listening to some of the nutcases that phone you. And I think we could turn it into a television show, but it would have to be slightly different because uh, we couldn't just rely on lots of people phoning in. However funny and nutty they were, uh, it's not very visual. So we had loads of... I mean, this was a year before it actually hit the screens, right? So that'd be 80, then, 87. Yeah. And in the meantime, I think I, I was doing a show called The Open College or The, the, the Something College on, uh, on Channel 4 television um, with Eve Pollard and I were presenting a programme together. I wonder if there are any bits of that left. She from Heidi High. No, Eve Pollard. She was the uh, editor of The Express at one point and uh, the mother of Claudia Winkleman. Uh, I'm thinking of Sue Pollard. Okay. Yeah, you are. If you haven't got anything intelligent to add to this conversation, could you shut the f*** up? I've lost my train of thought now. Um, so anyway, uh, we, we all had all these meetings with all these people. I didn't realise... Because I've, you know, I've done a bit of television, but I'm I've basically never done my own show on television. Uh, I was a radio guy, and I, I went off, did a radio show, and radio shows compared with television shows are, uh, rely on you, nobody else really, whatever anybody tells you. But on television, we have to have meetings with the sound people, the lighting people, the camera people, makeup people, uh, set designing people, all of these people. And we had no budget. So it was quite funny. So in the end, uh, Ian said, well, well, I think we should base it in the studio that you do your radio show from. And he said, I think we should put it out on the radio and the TV. And I think what we should do is when, you know, when you go to, uh, we'll try and marry up the commercial breaks on the radio and TV. We tried all these things. And it was a bit of a dog's breakfast to begin with. But eventually we realised that, yeah, we could take phone calls, but they had to be short and sharp. And, you know, I quite like cutting people off. And so they gave me a button that I could actually physically cut people off when they said something stupid or the whatever. And then people came a bit of a thing that people would ring in and see how long they could last before I cut them off, if you remember. And that was a, that was a small part of the show, but um, uh, very entertaining, I'm told. Uh, in between that, we'd have guests who would come in and sit in the radio sh uh, studio. And it's funny, uh, my radio show and everybody's shows on radio now, I suppose, are filmed. And so my show on talk radio is filmed and you'll see bits of it being put out every now and then. But we had to turn it into a whole hour's TV show. So there had to be had to be lit properly. Um, which most radio studios now are lit like a TV studio anyway, if you look and you'll see what I mean. Um, and then we went out. We, we used to go out and do a little thing called Whaley Goes to Town where I'd go out and I'd do a report on something. You know, it could have been cryogenics. It could have been uh, uh, gay rights. It could. I think the first one we ever did, the anniversary, the first one that ever went out 30 years ago uh, to today, uh, we did on animal cruelty. And it's funny, I was talking about that and the way we disregard dogs uh, on the radio last night because there was a horrible story in the paper the other day about some thugs kicking a small Pomeranian puppy to death for a laugh. Uh, I would have hung them. Ofcom probably won't be very happy with me saying that, but I'd have hung them, and I would have hung them slowly. People who, who do things like that are the lowest of the low, the most despicable, the most despicable. And do you know what they get charged with if ever, anybody could be bothered to find them? Criminal damage. That would be it. 
I've always felt like this. And 30 years ago, we filmed me. And it's really quite sad when I think about it. I get more sort of emotional about it now. But there was there was a pile of dead dogs waiting to be incinerated that the RSPCA had had to put down. And I'm talking about a huge pile of dead dogs. And the film we made, and I think we'll put it out, shall we, on the website so people could go and look at it. Yeah, I'll put it, I'll put it right at the top. of the, It's already there, but I'll, I'll move it up the, uh, the ranking. So this is the first James Well radio show we ever did. Mm-hmm. Ian, so, sadly, no longer with us, died a few years ago. He thought we needed to do something that grabbed an audience and that nobody'd seen. And so he wanted me, he said, look, we're coming here, film, there's this huge pile under a tarpaulin, the tarpaulin was pulled back. So this is my, I haven't seen it for 30 years. In fact, to be honest with you, I've never looked at any of them. I mean, I did them, but I, I never really looked back at them afterwards. Um, it's funny though, isn't it? I've, I've, uh, occasionally I see them now, and because it was 30 years ago, it's like looking at somebody else. But then I, I could never look at them, and I never did look at them. In fact, I have never seen uh, the Big Brother series that I was in. I ha- maybe I will watch it. Aside. I have never, ever watched it yet. Anyway, to go back to this, they pulled the tarpaulin back and there was this huge mound of dogs that had been euthanized. And I thought, fine, we're going to just pan down that and then he'll uh, come to me and I'll talk about, you know, this is what happens when, you know, uh, animals are, are not treated right, and this is how they blah, blah, blah. And uh, he said, I want you to walk up the mound of dogs. I said, that is very sick. I don't really want to do that. And I think that's what I did, didn't I? I think I did. Maybe I didn't. I definitely remember the mound of dogs, and I also remember the uh, putting the dog to sleep at the end of the uh, show. Well, that was another thing that we wanted to make it absolutely crystal clear what happens when you decide you don't want a pet nobody else does or that pet has been abused and we had a lovely little puppy very young but it had pneumonia and it couldn't be cured and he said i want to film this being put to sleep and i don't think that had ever been shown on television before you know no you're probably right yeah I, i don't think anything like this had been um shown and I can't remember if I was holding the puppy or not. You were definitely stroking the puppy and talking to the puppy, yeah. Well, yeah. And it was it was really quite harrowing, to be honest with you. And I think it had part of the crew were in tears when we filmed it. This poor little puppy just had no life, hadn't had a life, and then was put down. And actually, it would be good to show it again, wouldn't it? Because the amount of animal cruelty and abuse that goes on in this country is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. And because dogs have become fashionable and different kinds of dogs have become fashionable because celebrities have been seen with certain dogs, you know, a dog becomes fashionable, huskies became fashionable, um, staffies have become fashionable, uh, little chihuahuas are fashionable. I've got little white fluffy dogs, of course, and two of mine are rescued because people found find that dogs are, it's all right having a fashion. Like, go and buy a fucking coat. You want to be fashionable, buy a fucking coat. Don't go and buy a dog. If you're going to have a dog, then your life is going to be different. And if you think your life can carry on 
Oh, well, I'm not going to let the dog get in the way of living my life. Well, don't buy a dog. In fact, don't buy any pet, but particularly don't buy a dog because dogs worship humans. Dogs love humans. Dogs just want to be part of the pack. They just want to be loved. They give love and that's what they want. And if a dog behaves badly and a dog is aggressive, it's because of the way it's looked after. Don't get a dog unless you want your life to be devoted to that animal in the same way that you would with children. And of course, at the moment, I just see people who have no idea how to bring up their children. And here's another thing. I was watching Big Brother, which, of course, is coming to an end, and I'm glad it's coming to an end, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm watching the current series of Big Brother, and I, I meant to tweet this out, and I suppose I won't be invited back on a bit on the side or anything. It's a shame because I love Ryland. He's a great bloke. He's really nice. But I am fed up, fed up to the back teeth with the way some people are now communicating. And yes, I can say f quite a lot. But, you know, I, I watched these they they're just oiks in the big brother house at the moment i know it's it's as it's as entertaining now as the jeremy kyle television show because these people young people cannot communicate properly they can't talk properly they have no diction and they think it's funny you know they they think the idea that they kind of grunt at each other and talk it i'm sounding like a real old fart i know but it's, it, it, it's, it's just to watch some of them, just every other word is an expletive. It's dead easy. I can say, you f***ing bastard, piss off your c I can do all of that. But not all the time. And I just, I, it's not really entertainment, is it? I mean, I know they're picked to be freaks. And that's exactly what it has become, a freak show which I suppose is why it's no longer going to be there. I get a bit embarrassed for Ryland trying to pretend it's entertaining when it really, it, it, I can't, I'm not watching it anymore. I am not watching it anymore. And I think I might have a go on the radio about it. Do you think I should? Yeah, why not? Am I right in what I'm saying? Yeah, well, it's, it's not, it's civilian Big Brother, isn't it? So it's not uh, celebrity Big Brother. So they're just ordinary, no, no, ordinary I'm, people. I'm, I'm, I don't like this. Look, you go, Big Brother is a great idea and it's entertaining. Yeah. But they apparently have gone back to basics, whatever that means. And what worries me is the level of intellect of the people who are in there at the moment. If this is, and I know a lot more younger people are not, nothing like that. It's this kind of adapting a kind of street talk because they think it sounds good or it looks good because they don't actually know the right words to use. I'm not educated. I didn't pass the 11 plus. I haven't got an O level or whatever to my name. Yeah, but you are the uh, Surrey under-16s champion archery, though. Well, I only lived in Surrey for a few years. I went to shit school in Epsom and, uh, and, and ended up on a building site. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I still know how to communicate, or I'm lucky, if you like, because I am dyslexic. I'm unable to express myself very well uh, in writing things down, but I can express myself well because I had to learn. Because if you can't write, you've got to find another way of communicating, haven't you? You have, yes. And I don't think, actually, this leads me on to something else. Everybody's talking about, you know, oh, you know, you're devaluing, big argument on the radio there that, oh, you're devaluing education. Education's important. Going to university is very important. Everybody should be going to university. 
University is only important if you're going to do something with the university course you go to university for. A university education is not the be-all and the end-all. A university education doesn't mean that you're going to earn more money than somebody who didn't get a university education. You don't have to have talent to go through university. Just apply yourself to the rules and regulations. Talent is something you're born with, not something you can achieve. And I get a bit fed up with everybody going, oh, you've got to go to university. You know, there's a lot of stuff you could do without going to university. Going to university will get you a big debt, won't it? Well, it's not a debt, though, is it? Isn't it? Not really. You don't pay it back until you can afford to pay it back, do you? So it never really... It's not a debt debt. It doesn't get taken into consideration when you buy a house or anything like that. Doesn't it? No. All right. Anyway, it's, it, the, the, the fact is that it is not necessary for most people to go to university. What most people need to do is learn to communicate verbally a little better. Because you can have all the qualifications in the world, and this is what I'm getting round to, you can have all the qualifications in the world, uh, and at one point you're going to be invited for an interview, aren't you? Yes. Well, if you sit in front of somebody and speak like those oiks on Big Brother or on the Jeremy Kyle show, I can assure you you ain't going to get the job. I don't understand why you need to go to university when lying's easier. Well, that's a very, very good point. But you have to be clever to be able to carry off a lie. Yeah, I mean, obviously, don't apply for a job that you can't do. But if you think you can do something because you know, have some knowledge in that area, have a go. Just sit there and say, yeah, I've got a degree. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if they find you out, what can they do? They can sack exactly. you. I've done that. <laughs> my first job where my mother said, I, I think you're going to have to look around for something other than just working uh on the on the local building site the local builder's yard as i was um because i wanted to be an actor and my mother said, oh, you can't be an actor and my mother had been a professional ballet dancer she said no you can't do that you know no, no. um and uh i was useless at school so i was left um, i mean for the last year at school between 15 and 16 they said come in and get your mark and bugger off because you're not learning anything anyway so you might as well just go and so i did then an aunt of mine worked in Harrods, and my mother thought, "Well, that's good. That's a proper job." And I, I was, you know, I was sixteen. I wasn't really bothered one way or the other. Um, and so I went up for this interview uh, where they give you an aptitude test. But having, uh, because I went for a job as a trainee buyer, I had no idea what that was, and um, and I was always quite cocky, so. In the interview, um, I, I, you know, I was fine. I, I, uh, they said, uh, have you, you you've, presumably you've got English, uh, English maths. Um, uh, I said, oh yeah, I've got, uh, of course, yes, all that sort of thing. Do you want to see them? No, no, no. Just wanted to know you've got them. Fine. Um, so anyway, this is, uh, they, they give you an aptitude test, which is putting different colored blocks in different holes and various other things, which, uh, quite entertaining. And uh, I was put into the toy department and I stayed in Harrods as a trainee buyer uh, for about eight months um, before I realised that all the people who were wandering around Harrods not working there were people I'd seen on television. And I thought, that's a much better way of doing things. And, of course, it was in the 60s and everybody wanted to be in a rock and roll band uh, and I couldn't play anything, so I thought I'll be a disc jockey because that sounded much better. And, of course... Uh, all the pirate radio stations were there and we were all listening to the pirate radio stations and I thought, that'd be great, I'd love to do that. 
And of course, you can't just go. How do you? I didn't know. So I I got a job as a DJ in the Bird's Nest Disco because my dad had a Watney's pub and Watney's were opening these discotheques called the Bird's Nests. And uh, I turned up there and I'd never been a DJ. I didn't know what you had to do, but uh, I'd listened to the radio. So um, I thought, can't be that difficult, can it? And it's not. And the interesting thing is, um, people people quite often criticise me in <laughs> people I work with or for that I don't try very hard, and I have to be honest with you, I don't. And that is it is a failing on my part, but I, I'm sorry, I've never ever been one of those people who could apply themselves because part of being dyslexic is that you have a very short attention span, and so you know. Doing this podcast, sitting in, in my office at home, is uh, is as much as I can do on my own in one go. Um, when I'm on the radio, we have commercial breaks every sort of 10 minutes, and during the commercial breaks, you won't find me sitting in the studio. I'll be up walking around, which actually freaks out producers quite a lot. Can you not stay in the studio? No, I can't. I'm going to wander outside, have a look back. I'll be back before uh, the end of the commercials. Don't worry about it. And mostly I am. Um, but you can't, you know, and then I've, I was working for the BBC some years back. I was doing the breakfast show on BBC Essex and that, I enjoyed that. It was quite fun. And Essex, great place. I loved Essex. Um, but they wanted, after the program, they wanted to have a meeting, a debrief meeting. And I did two or three and then I just got in the car and went home. I, I like to, 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 uh, be referred. I'm a freelance broadcaster. I show and go. I do the show and I go. And if you want me to, to do anything else, you're going to have to pay more. And the BBC, went, oh, we've got to discuss how the show went and how we can improve it. Well, I don't know how you can improve it. How can you improve it? What, what are you going to do? And, and, and if you didn't like what we did, well, there, I don't even, I, I, you know, it used to be a time when people say, oh, we've got to air check your show, listen to everything you did. I'm of the belief you think too deeply about a lot of this stuff. And I, I'm amazed because I've, been doing this job now for, what, over 40 years I've been on the radio? It must be, mustn't it? Yeah. If, if my TV... No, it must be more. Because I think when I started doing the television show, and today is the anniversary of the first James Ware radio show TV program, I'd been on the radio for 15 or more years before that. Yeah, I'm thinking about 43, 44 years. Yeah. So more than 40 years, but... Mm. I must confess, I have never... People do put their head in their hands and worry and think and for, and talk about stuff. They have radio meetings and conferences. I've spoken at a couple, but I I'd, I'd usually say, I think my problem with a lot of radio is people... I mean, obviously, if you're doing a serious news program, that's different. If you're doing a serious in-depth documentary, that's different. But I'm not a journalist, in fact, that's another discussion I had at the BBC. At the time, they were trying to work out how, how they could describe they, they if you were a journalist or if you were a, a news broadcaster. But what are, what are the people who actually do the shows? They, you know, In America, they call you the talent. They don't like to do that over here because they think it might actually cost them more money. But then there are people they call talent, like Chris Evans and uh, the late Terry Wogan and Tony Blackburn, all those big names they, they do refer to as talent. But the rest of us, they don't. They wanted to know, how can we, what do we refer? And somebody came from head office down to see me on uh, BBC Essex one time to, uh, to, to go through this. And I thought, what a, what a, what a waste of time. What a waste of, 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 of resources. I mean, the BBC are now asking for more money, by the way. 
Lord Hall. <laughs> Lord Hall, um, who is the boss, the, the chairman of the BBC, who actually, I have to be honest, I've met, and he has the limpest handshake of anyone I've ever met. It was like a bag of jelly babies. And when he goes, I'm going to apply for the job. I think I make a great director general of the BBC. But anyway, send somebody down to talk about it. And, I, and they said, well, how do you describe your job? What do you do? Are you a journalist? What do you, you broadcast? I said, well, you know, I, I just sort of talk and, and kind of put I'll tell you what I do. I said, it's like this. It's like I'm front of house. It's like, you know, if you go to a hotel, you've got a hotel manager who actually is the face and the voice, if you like, of the hotel. I'm, I'm, like, the, I'm like the publican of the radio star. I'm the publican. I'm the person here who chats to you. I'm the meet and greeter. Actually, I'm a bit more than that, really. Because when I started doing the breakfast show, I, I uh, and, and the BBC have this wonderful, well, they have the journalists, and the journalists are looked and respected. I've never understood why journalists are respected more than people who aren't. Apparently, I am a journalist, but I don't have a journalist card or anything like that. I didn't go to a journalist college. So I can't be a journalist, can I? I can interview people. I can do better interviews than loads of journalists. I can chat to people so they don't even know they're being interviewed. Because I'm just having a bit of a conversation and interesting things come out. In fact, the other night I was talking to the former Northern Ireland Secretary, Sean Woodward, and uh, he left politics. He was a he first of all became a Conservative Member of Parliament, then crossed the floor and became a Labour Member of Parliament, then became the Northern Ireland Secretary, and then a couple of years ago he left Parliament um, because he wanted to sort his life out because he was a gay man in his 50s and he wanted uh, to to, to um, sort everything out. And I was talking to him on the programme last night about the Northern Irish border problem from his perspective as a former Secretary, Northern Ireland Secretary, and then we got on to talking about his view of politics now and uh, how difficult it was to be a gay man, particularly in politics when people didn't want to talk about that sort of thing. And that sort of conversation doesn't come out when you're just doing journalistic stuff, does it? So I forget where I was with all of this, but um, I'm having a day of reflection. So 30 years ago, the TV show started. It lasted for 10 years nearly, didn't it? Yeah, but we don't want a James Whale that tries too hard, though. Well, no, you won't get one because James Whale doesn't have that facility to be able to do it. And the interesting thing is that um, if I do go to a meeting, if I'm invited to a meeting, I cannot shut up. And so you know what it's like? I, 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 meet, I quite often think, I'm, oh, if I have to go, I'll go and I'll sit there for a bit and then I'll, I'll leave. Uh, with the, the, the BBC, so I, I quite easily got out of it. I said, look, if you want me to stay after I've done the show, you're going to have to pay more. I said, well, we can't, well, no, no, I mean, there's a, no, I said, look, I present the show, I'm not the producer, and if you want to talk to me about what's in the programme, you ring me during the day, tell me what you're doing, ask my opinion, because I'm on the phone all the time, very easy to do it, but I am not sitting around here for another hour while people have coffee and disappear and everything else. I do the show, I come in at 5.30 in the morning, I go on the air at 6, I come off at 9, and then I go home, or go to what other job I have next. Quite often I was off doing something else. Yeah, I can confirm. I mean, usually at ten past nine, I'd have a phone call from you in the car. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, no hanging around, or I'd have to go off and uh, there was an archery club near the studios with a little indoor range, and I used to go there for about an hour and uh, loose off a few arrows after the show. Okay. But, you know, it doesn't... When I finish now, ten o'clock comes and I will be in my car, leaving the studios in London at two minutes past. 
actually maybe two minutes too because I will leave during the commercials that then go into the news. Technically, you're breaking the rules a little bit there, though, aren't you? Why? Well, you're contracted up to 10, aren't you, really? Well, no, because I'm not doing the... No, 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 no. And, and there are other people who have to get into the studio. Well, I mean, yeah. Eamon does his show, a lovely show on talk radio before mine, of course, and he's just been, um, he's just been put up for an award. Uh I have, uh, I've, I've seen Eamon sitting around and uh, having meetings afterwards. In fact, I've said to him, I, w- I wouldn't bother. So I don't think he does now. <laughs> You're like a union. I'm not like a union at all. Well, yeah, you're going around but, telling people, you know, don't do that, don't do this. Oh, do mother do that. I mean, I actually, if I go to a meeting, I've always got questions to ask, and that's the annoying thing. So people start, you know, you go to a meeting, somebody's holding a meeting now, uh, and they start talking, and I can always see something that annoys me or it niggles me, and I have to ask a question. And then in the end, somebody says, James, could you just stop? I mean, we want to get through this meeting, can we? I said, we're well, having a meeting, then surely that's uh, a point of uh, finding out what people think about this, but... Meetings are a waste of space. Absolute waste of space. Do they use the words, that was good radio? Not for my shows, no. <laughs> <laughs> but people do, they sit themselves back. And, uh, and you come in, you hear them say, that was great on that. That was marvellous. That was really good. Not on my show. We don't do that. Uh, people who come and work on the show uh, are told, we don't discuss it. I don't want to know whether you think it's good or bad. Uh, we will wait for the ratings to come out. And you know what they're really saying is whether they like you or not. And they w- nobody would ever say, that was a shit show, James. That was the worst f-ing show I've ever heard. Really? Not really. I've, I mean, the big boss will. And I have to tell you that Kelvin McKenzie was great at doing that. Yeah. But not, not you, very seldom will people really want to say, do you know, I think that was terrible. I think you think... And, I mean, they used to years ago, but... And it, it, it's emo- it, It's all, you know, one person might like something, another person might not. You know in yourself, though, when it's a shit show, though. Yeah, I do. So I don't need to be told. And, and um, quite often, I will leave on the way out and, sit, and I will say, sorry, guys, that was really not one of the best ones today. And uh, I had a very good show the other day. Was ruined by something. I won't go into that. But um, a couple of a couple of hours, lots of good calls, people talking about stuff. Things just flowed through. And uh, what worries me sometimes, if I think it's a good show, it may not have been very good to listen to. So it is difficult to know, really, isn't it? That's why you got people like me phoning you three minutes after you finish. Well, yeah, I don't mind you telling me what you think, but, yeah. And I don't mind people criticising at all, but I'm just saying, it, it, people hold their head in their hands and say, oh, I don't, I, maybe we should have done that differently. Maybe you should, you know, and I, I get into enough trouble. It's, it's quite well documented for probably doing the wrong thing at the wrong time, but you can't undo it. No, you can't undo radio, no. I don't script, none of my radio shows is scripted. Some, every word from, hello, welcome to the programme, I'm, is written down and the people are reading it. This show's actually two hours long, and I edit it down to about 50 minutes, you know. Piss off. <laughs> he doesn't, because I actually want to go earlier than the uh, allotted time quite yeah, often, and because this show is taking... He has to edit out all my f***ing swear words, uh, because it goes out on radio stations uh, here and in other parts of the world, so uh, he has to be very careful. I'm always careful. Eventually, Eventually, one mother f***ing word will get through. It comes close sometimes. Yeah. Hmm. That apparently, that last one I did is one of the most offensive words in America. Hmm. 
Well, it's pretty offensive everywhere, isn't it, really? But, yeah. You know. <clears throat> oh, hang on, what's going on on Twitter? Big, big. Hold on. Oh, uh, oh right. Oh. Apparently, people are liking my interview with Sean Woodward that I was just talking about. How funny is that? Good show. Let me go and have a little look and see what they're saying. Um, anyway, I've talked for a long time here, haven't I? I've got a dog with his head heavy on my foot. Um, so I think it's probably time uh, to to play a bit of music and and then come back and I'll do something else. Uh, this is the James Well Radio Show podcast thing. And if you would like to take part in the program, all you need to do is drop us a line, tell us what you want to talk about, jameswellradio at gmail.com, or if you want to appear on the program or something like that, then uh, feel free, feel free to do so. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, leader of UKIP in Wales, Neil Hamilton, says he is, he'd be delighted if Nigel Farage returned to help with Brexit, but claims he's been nowhere to be seen for the last 18 months. Oh, I did an interv- interview with Neil Hamilton last night. It's quite funny. Nigel has said what? that if uh, things don't look as if they're going the way he wanted, he would consider uh, the leadership of UKIP again, and I don't think you'd be very happy with that, would you? Well, uh, I think Nigel is a brilliant propagandist and a brilliant campaigner and obviously a very public face. I would be delighted if Nigel came back into the fray to help us deliver the Brexit that we voted for two years ago. Uh, And I'm disappointed that he's been nowhere to be seen, effectively, uh, for the last 18 months or so. Uh, Now is the time for the good men to come to the age of the party. Uh, Oh, dear. I've seen him. Well... He was on your show a few months ago. Nigel Farage, yeah. yeah. He's around, yeah, I don't know what he's talking about. No, he's definitely around. Hmm. Yeah, no, well, I know he's I mean, that's why I said I don't know what he's talking about. I mean, about. what's he expect to go around to his house and say, uh, how are you doing? Or what? I think Neil's a bit, you know. Okay. Now, let's give our listeners uh, a present, all right? Yeah. If you like this piece of music we are about to play... Um, you can download a free copy. Yeah. I'm not sure about the title. The Communists Have the Music. Okay. Because I hope it's not propaganda for the flipping Labour Party. It's way above my head. I wouldn't know what that is. Well, as the producer, I hope you've listened to it because I would hate to think that this has some sort of uh, Marxist-Leninist message running through it. It's, it's a nice tune. Bops along. <laughs> really? Well, listen, to show that I don't care, these might be giants. I got handed an Ayn Rand sandwich straight from the can. It tasted so bland. I asked a lass to pass me a glass of Ingalls conditions of the working class. Right away they dragged me to the committee to explain my un-American activity. They're gonna see they made a mistake.
sing the international I only need to plug in the headphone jack So I can listen to my backing track I'm not jealous of the zealous Or anarchics with guitar picks They might be giants. Their new single, The Communists Have the Music. And because the way we uh, record this programme, I didn't get to hear it, so I don't know whether it was good, bad, indifferent, or uh, or, or plugging communism. Um, well, let, let us know what you think. Uh, email yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Shall I get in up? touch? Radio at gmail.com and tell us if you like the record or whether we should have uh, not had it on. And get your free copy from their website, theymightbegiants.com. Yeah. Um, now, uh, an email came flooding in today from uh, Paul Thorne, and Paul says, you may or may not remember me, but back in 1995 on the James Wales show, you spoke to me whilst I was isolated with a rare form of TB. The story was widely reported because of the manner in which I was infected whilst a patient in hospital for an unrelated issue. I wasn't expected to survive, and if I did, there was talk that I may remain isolated for the rest of my life. Well, clearly, I survived, and here I am. And I'm writing, James, because I have published my diary from the time and also letters that were sent to me, some from viewers of your show. I have combined the diary and the letters to tell a story. My reason for doing this is to mark a UN high-level meeting taking place in New York next week, On the 26th, over 190 world leaders and officials will finally discuss TB and hopefully commit to doing something about it. I would very much like to catch up with you, and I thought that maybe this book and our history may be a suitable topic for your radio show. Uh, Paul, thank you very much indeed, and uh, I will will look at perhaps um, getting you on the phone to talk about it in the not-too-distant future. Uh, if you send me some contact details. So, I, I do you know, I, I don't actually remember back in 1995, um, but that would have been Whale On, I would imagine, uh, which was done in London, in fact, the studios just off Carnaby Street. I will have the show somewhere. I'll, I'll try and dig yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah, dig it out. That'd be a good idea. We kind of had him in the studio if he had this uh, form of TB that he was supposed to be isolated with. Um, I think it's probably time for you to do Tech Talk. I've doodled all over it now. You spoke you? so long at the beginning of the show, I'd just drawn all yeah, over it. I don't know. I don't know why I do that. I think I'm going to go on Instagram and post a few more pictures of me. I'm going to pick, I'm going to post, pick a post. I'm going to post a picture of me recording this. Okay, go on then. 
Are you going to do? And that I haven't. Now? Yeah, I haven't. Um, I haven't dressed up to do the show today. So forget the gravy stains down my front. Okay. As long as it's gravy. <laughs> Pillock. <laughs> <laughs> right. Shall I do the tech talk while you're doing that? Yeah, I can't remember how to do the photos now. <laughs> Plus button on the bottom. Anyway. Oh, yeah, that's right. All right, okay, go on. Uh, Brits pay almost £500 million extra for the phones that they already own, according to the Citizens Advice Bureau. In 73% of cases, customers paid more than they would have done if they'd bought the phone outright. Always buy your mobile phone, if you can, on a credit card, because it's normally a few hundred pounds cheaper. Is it? Yeah, and then get a SIM-only deal. Hmm. If you can. It's always a better deal. Apple has uh, agreed to pay the Irish government 14.3 billion euros in uh, back taxes after the European Commission ruled against them. Even though the Irish government, for some reason, apparently doesn't want the money. It doesn't want the money. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? I think they probably want to keep Apple. I think, maybe. Who knows? I've just Instagrammed out a picture of my doggies as well. Instagrammed out a picture of your doggies. Is that not how you put it? Instagram out. Yeah, that's that's okay. Yeah. yeah My right. Instagram handle, by the way, is James Well Radio. Published on uh, yeah, yeah, it is the James Well Instagram dot com forward slash James Well Radio. Yeah, or just you don't James have to Well worry Radio. About that Instagram, what's that? I yeah, go on. You use the app, wouldn't you? I suppose I'm mm. not on Instagram. Funny enough, maybe I should be on well, Instagram. I don't know. It's too complicated for me. Is it any good? Uh, yeah, it's all right if you just want to put silly photographs out. I've got one of me and Talia Dean on there. That's the um, X she factor. Looks, she she looks a lot younger than she should. She's a lot older than she looks. Should you be saying that about a lady? Oh, sorry. No, I don't know. I didn't know. I shouldn't know. That's terribly. I, I'm. I apologise profusely. It's really bad of me. So I don't think she listens. <laughs> okay, um, that's it for tech talk this week. Really. There's not really much happening in the world of tech, other than you've joined Instagram, but I think we knew that last yeah. week. Maybe I'll join Instagram this week. I put a picture of my lunch out the other day when it was a nice day. And what did you have in your lunch? I had salmon. Right. I cheated. I went and bought it in the supermarket, a piece of salmon. Oh, right, okay. Homegrown tomatoes and cucumber. Right. Uh, salad. Yeah. Beetroot. Mm-hmm. And salad cream. And you ate it all? Uh, oh, sorry, dog. Um, this kicked him in the head. Well, I haven't got any shoes on. It's all right. Uh, yes. Good news, because that means I wouldn't have to eat it. So that's fine. I'm glad somebody... Well, why would you it. not eat it? Because it's salad, and it's... Yeah, it's good for you. It's, it might be good for you, but it's not good for me. I can't find... I put, I'm sure I put out a picture of a large lump of fungus the other day, and I can't find it. Why? It's not funny. Where was the fungus growing? On the bottom of a tree. In oh. fact, it's an interesting fungus. Okay. Um, it's. Uh, I'm going to have a quick look and see if... I, maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't. It's a special sort of fungus called chicken of the woods. Because if you eat it, it tastes like chicken. It's quite safe to eat, but you need to know what you're doing. Yeah, you've got to cook it through, haven't you, if it's chicken fungus? You're being a pillock. Uh, films. Yeah. House, I've got to be very careful what I say here. House with Why? a... Because of the name of the film. House uh. with a clock in its walls. I thought it was house with a cock in its walls. <laughs> I was trying not to say that. Um, no, that's... Yeah, but I thought that's what it was actually called. That's, that's cottaging. 
Yeah, I found that picture. It, right. I'm going to... Yeah, I found that picture of the fungus. It's chicken of the woods. Okay. Have a look, everybody. Are you sharing it now? I'm sending it to you to have a look at first. Okay. House with a clock in its walls with uh, Jack Black and Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that great. It's all right. Is it supposed to sound as if it's cock in the wall? No, I think that's probably... Uh, no? That's just something people have uh, taken the mickey out of afterwards, I think. It's a strange title, really. And why is it called Clock in the Wall? In fact, I've got a picture, we'll put it out, I don't think we'll put it out yet, of, um, of uh, Metro Radio Studios, where I first worked. Okay. I'm going to put a picture out now, yeah. right, of my coffee cup. Right. It's so, a very, very nice French coffee cup. I really am glad I don't put that much effort into this section of the show. It Which just, section? What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> it just, it's all over the place. Yeah. So you just sent that. Right. Have a look at it and see what you think. What, Tell me if I should. There what, we are. Now? Um, yeah, I'll put it out on Instagram. I'll put it out. I'll, I'll turn that off and put it out on Instagram after the uh, show. Right. right. So, so, yeah, house with a, a clock in its walls is, is okay. Yeah. It's, it's all right. You know, but it's, I'd give it like two and a half out of five. Would you? It's, yeah. Shit, really. It's mm. not shit. It's just all right. One of the films I watched the other day and I said, we're good. I, I, the new Tomb Raider film. Yes, that's good. That's, it's not so new, is it? It's it's newish for you. Mm. Well, I thought it was good. Um, and it wasn't as silly as the first one. Yes, the first one, the first two with Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Well, I don't know the name of the new actress who's playing it, but I thought she was very, very good. Just a normal streetwise person, nothing special. Yeah. Well, she was fit. Well, yeah. I mean, in the ath- oh, come on. I mean, in the athletic way, she was fit. Yes. Yeah. And there weren't all those silly sort of pretend things. The only thing that annoyed me slightly was the bow and arrow. Because the bow, the way she was pulling it back, uh, must have meant it was like pulling an elastic band. But anyway, that's the only thing I, I uh, had umbrage with. Well, I think we've probably got to a time now to do the questions for the whale because I seem to have gone on about nothing in particular today on the programme. But still, it's the anniversary of my TV show, so um, 30 years. And uh, I, th- I think I'm entitled to go back down memory lane if I want, aren't I? It's your show and you can wail about it if you want to. Yeah, that made title of a good song. Mm. Um, right, okay, let's uh, let's do the questions because uh, I think I popped down the pub now. I think I've earned it. Okay. Have you? Oh, by the way, have you seen the new Mary Poppins uh, trailer? No, and I wouldn't want to see the film either. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm based on the trailer. I'm not that convinced myself. Why are they making Mary Poppins again? They're not. It's the sequel. Why? Why are they even bothering? Uh, it's been uh, a few years, isn't it? You know. People want to see, you know, Mary Poppins again before they pop off. No, they don't. It was a shit film anyway. God, you're going to be doing a lot of editing, aren't you? <laughs> you can't slag off Mary Poppins. It's a classic. Why not? It's not a classic. It's bollocks. It's probably the second film I ever saw in my life. Yeah. I'll tell you what a classic film is, shall I? I'll mm. tell you what a classic is. Go on, then. The young ones, darling, we're the young ones. The one with Rick Mail in it. Cliff Richard. Cliff Richard wasn't in the young ones. 
Cliff Richard had a film called The Young Ones Before Summer Holiday. Oh, okay, not the TV sketch comedy thing, TV show. We're talking about movies. Will you keep up? Yes. For I... an educated man who went to university, you really don't know much. Do I you? wasn't born then. I wasn't born during the Battle of Trafalgar, but I still know all about it. Moving. Just on. get on with the fucking questions. All right. Sorry, everyone, I'm not that well learned up on film. No, you're not. And stop appealing for sort of sympathy. You won't get it. Come on. <laughs> Sammy D, cornflakes. I had said that loud because it was all in capitals. Uh, morning, afternoon or evening? Any time that's right for you, Sammy D. Uh, Paul Hyam, why don't drivers use indicators anymore? There are pretty bad drivers out there, but you just have to be better than them. And you shouldn't be driving so close that if somebody decides they're going to move... Uh, it catches you out. Uh, Pauline Cod, do you get your money's worth out of a bag for life? Tell me one person who exchanges them, and can you transfer slightly used bags to dependents? You do what you like with your bag, Pauline. You can you can buy yourself another little one for five p at the supermarket. I don't like the bags for life. Why don't you like the bags for life? Well, they're just a bit tacky, aren't they? I think they should be plain. I think you should be forced to have all the bags plain, no no branding yeah. on them. Well, no, I think you should have advertising on them. Oh, really? Yeah, but all they've got is sort of arsy look pictures on them. I'd have gone the other way. That way, that way you could just walk into any shop without mm. advertising other shops. All right, go on. Uh, Karen Clift, where is the Indian summer they keep promising us? Well, I don't know where you live, Karen, but it's been pretty hot up until recently and it's still very muggy and very warm, just a bit windy and wet at the moment. Stuart St. Paul. Oh, he's your friend, isn't he, Stuart St. Paul? Stuart St. Paul. Oh, Stuart. Uh, I had lunch with him, came around the other day. We had a nice lunch. And uh, Stuart St. Paul, of course, he, funnily enough, he did the breakfast show for a year or so on Metro Radio when we were at that... Um, I haven't put it out yet, have I, the, uh, the picture of the... Um, did I put it out or not? No, I probably interrupted you putting it out. All oh, right, I'll kind of put it out with the original Metro Radio Studios. He he did the breakfast show there for a while, and then he left. He became a stunt man, and then he became a producer, director, film producer, director. In fact, last big film he did was the uh, Status Quo film. Did you ever see that? Bulla Quo. Cool. Bulla Quo. Yeah, he did mm. that. Yeah, seen that. Yeah, it's quite a fun little film, actually. You have to like Status Quo, I think. Well, obviously, yes. <laughs> You know, that's, yes. It's not not a film to go and see if you just want to watch a movie. It's for fans of status quo. Well, I don't know. I I watched it and I I like status quo. I wouldn't, you know, uh, say I was a a fan, had all their records, but I I thought it was quite funny. Anyway, carrying on, what does Stuart say? His question is, should all car drivers be made to take a cycling proficiency test before the car test? Seems they are taught more road sense in that. Really? Yeah. I think it's a good idea. I think, actually, I'll tell you what, Stuart, I, I, uh, I, I think cyclists should all have to take a test, that's for sure, um, before they're allowed out on the roads, because most of them don't know what they're doing. Uh, but car drivers, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, the problem with car drivers is, the problem with all of us, I suppose, we get in our little metal boxes and think we're invincible. But I've always found the best way to deal with it all is just assume they're all useless and keep your distance. That's the key, isn't it? Keep your distance. You know, if somebody's hogging the middle lane, overtake them. Very few people hogging the outside lane. Mm. 
you know. And don't go, because somebody's doing what you consider to be uh, too slow, overtake them. Because if you come up close behind me, I will just slow down. Do you do that thing where you put your foot on the brake and accelerate at the same time? No, I'm worse than that. <laughs> uh, Rod Bates. Mm. That's quite a good name for the question. How long shall I go sea fishing for? How long would you like to go sea fishing for and then cut it in half? Okay. Come on, get on with uh, it. I want to go to the pub. Come on, come on. This is a long word coming up. I will get it right. Nick Wright, that's not the long yep. word. Are bananas monsebius? Yeah. Is that what, yeah, as in that's the correct way of saying it, or yeah, as in that's... Yeah, no, they are monsebius, yeah. Bananas are definitely very monsebius, yeah. Well, you've said the same word as me three times now, so I must be right. And monsebius? Don't you know what it means? What does monsebius mean? No, I'm asking the question. Do you not know what it means? Yellow and bent. Look it up on Google. Okay. Lee Phillips. Whatever happened to Jim from Bournemouth? That's a very good question. I wonder whatever happened. Sometimes, you know, you have to understand that sometimes uh, regular... He was a regular caller, Jim from Bournemouth. Uh, used to upset lots of people as well. Um I I don't know. I mean, he was quite elderly, and it was quite a long time ago. And none of us are here forever. Which radio station were you on at the time when Jim from Bournemouth was phoning in? I think I was on Talk Sport at the time. 2005, something like 2006. Well, it might have been Talk Radio. A little bit earlier then. Because Talk Radio and Talk Sport, the programme was the same. So was it Talk Radio first, and then it went to Talk Sport, and then back to Talk Radio? Well, sort yeah. Of, yeah. Well, no. The new talk radio that is now available on DAB, and you really should get it. Download the app. Just put it next to your Twitter and your Instagram and your Facebook app on your phone. It's on page three. I have to scroll for mine. And I'll be on uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday nights from ten. Got live music on the show tonight as well from White Eskimo. White Eskimo. That's Yvette Fielding's. Um, son. Yvette Fielding's son is in that yeah. band. Yeah. Yeah. They're good. I like them. Yeah, they're very good. So well, maybe you can grab it tonight and put it on my Facebook page or something. Yeah, we've had them on this show as well. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, right, okay. Uh, what was that last one? Did I answer that? I can't remember. Oh, Jim from Bournemouth. I don't know. Not not, not thought of him, heard from him, or uh, uh, had a phone call from him for years and years and years. What's the sort of longest time between a, a famous regular caller and then a massive gap, and then they appeared back on another station. Or Have you ever had that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had somebody rang me up last night who uh, used to ring regularly and said, James, I haven't spoken to you for 19 years. Wow. Well, I've had people say, I haven't spoken to you for, for 25 years and things like that. Yeah, some people do suddenly come back. Yeah. Well, all I can say is advertising is needed. For what? Well, obviously, they clearly don't know where you went. Well, no, not everybody sees everything, do they? No. I see everything. You don't see everything at all. You don't even know stuff. I might not know stuff, but I see stuff. You don't see stuff. A lot of the time you don't see stuff because you went to university. That's a problem with people who go to university. They don't often see stuff. On paper, I went to university. Didn't actually do much attending. <laughs> we really should not encourage people to uh, do stuff like that. No, no, no. I actually genuinely 
was enrolled in a university and I but might never have, went. I know. I never went. <laughs> mm. Well, I did obviously go for the exams, but uh, not for the lessons. Did you pass? Uh, I didn't find out till 10 years afterwards that I Why? passed. Because I got a job straight away and I assumed, because I, I had to do a couple of resits, obviously, because I didn't attend, so I didn't 100% yeah. know what I was talking about. So I did a few mm. resits, got a job straight away, and uh, when I quit the job and set up a new business, I thought it would look good if I had a certificates on the wall to look like I know what I'm talking about. So I phoned the university, so by the way, did I pass my course? And they said, oh yeah, you did, didn't you graduate? I said, no. I said, well, and they invited me that year and I got all the photos and got to meet the dean and all the rest of it. There we go. What, you went back and graduated? Yeah, and actually I saw someone in the front row that was on my course, so I met him afterwards. And, it's quite, it's and did quite... you wear one of those funny gowns and stuff and throw your hat in the air? I didn't throw my hat in the air, but I wore one of the funny gowns, yes. I'm going to understand that at all. You really. get like a fake scroll that you hold to have it's... your photograph taken. Oh, right. It's all very elitist, isn't it? You have to shake them with the one hand. and See, that's what I'd like. I'd quite like to have an honorary degree. You have to walk on stage and doff your cap. Yeah, I'd like an honorary degree, if anybody's listening. Thank you very much. Well, I can give you an honor honorary degree. Oh, well, there we are. That's sorted, isn't it? What would you like a degree in? I've no idea. Shapes. What did you say? Shapes. <laughs> a degree in world... What's it? I don't know. Oh, I, don't, I don't even know why I said that. Right, I'm going. Listen, thank you, everybody, very much indeed for joining us on the James Well Radio Show podcast. Uh, Rob will now um, tweak it and make it... All right, darling. Uh, talking to the dogs, not you. Uh, tweak it and make it uh, sort of sound almost professional. I will try my very best. Yeah, or maybe you won't do that well. Good. All right, see you all later. Bye. Bye-bye. to the James Well Radio Show. For more information, visit www.
www.jameswhaleradio.co.uk. Why not check us out on facebook.com slash show or follow James on Twitter at the James Whale. James Whale, the voice of reason.